Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas P. Dorian, the Hello. P is for Patrick. Yes, sir. And I'm so happy to have you here, name. Tom. Thank yeah, you. it's a wonderful name. Thank you. Yeah. So you know what, Tom? This is like this is like a, a day to remember. This is like one of the highlight shows. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to go on the greatest hits list. Mark your calendar. Because what we have returning for, from such a long time ago, it's I know. you. He's been busy in the kitchen. Our head chef here at the Catholic Cafe, Father Ben <laughs> Bradshaw. Man, I'm so glad you're here, Father Ben. Thanks so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I will say, as happy as we are to have you here, we're gonna we're gonna kind of. Like tone the happiness down just a little bit and talk we about are. some serious stuff that's going on in the world right now. Okay. And before we launch into this topic, I, I do want to say that we're going to be discussing some pretty adult topics. We're going to talk about gender identity, gender theory. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, all the different initials and things. So human sexuality will, will come into play here. So if you've got some tender-aged children, some tender ears out there, people that might not want to tune into such a program without having heard it first, we advise all of our parents out there and responsible parties to, to listen maybe first and see if it's something that the kids can hear. Uh, we, it's very practical information, and we're not going to get uh, too far off the, uh, the, uh, the, the, I don't know, the normal happy path where we can have a discussion in public. But I do want to say we're going to talk about some topics that are of the adult nature. So we want to make sure people are aware of that. Uh, and we really want to talk, Father Ben, and we have you here because you really do have, now what is your technical degree, a licentiate or something in theology of the body? How, Mar- marriage and family. Marriage and family. So okay. you're like tuned into the theology of the body. You're frequently on uh, guest uh, on, on many different uh, ra- radio shows and, and such, and you've, you've published a lot of uh, material. Uh, kind of sought after, so we're happy to have you out, you know, in the kitchen cooking stuff for us. So we're we're <laughs> we're blessed. Yeah, exactly right. So you take out all your frustrations on the pastries, and we have to reap the benefits. It's terrible. Of we all, all our, that. We have our crosses, don't we? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and so, really, I think we want to talk to. We have a lot of listeners, I'm sure, Catholic and non-Catholic alike. We have a lot of parents, a lot of family members who are listening right now, thinking, "Well, I want to have sort of a reasonable conversation about." What's going on in the world right now? It just seems like in the last five or maybe even ten years, things have just gotten really off the rails, and just lots of things that we never thought we'd be discussing are becoming sort of commonplace when it comes specifically uh, to to gender, to human sexuality, to all the different things and uh, we encounter in 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 life, and it seems to take like center stage so much. Uh, and so maybe we thought we, we thought it'd be a good idea to have you on the show and let's discuss some of this uh, topic to help people kind of wade through really the, the sort of cloud of confusion that's out there. Right. So where do we start on a topic like this? Yeah, there's there's a lot to say. I would say right off the bat from the Catholic standpoint, we would say that that sexuality touches the soul before it touches the body. So the the kind of the theological thing that we would say is it's ontological before it's physiological and that's a big phrase it just means basically that it touches our soul before it touches our body so when when we're created that's right when we're created that uh that sexuality is already at play is what you're saying that's right and it's not happen chance that one is masculine or feminine or male or female right 
In other words, that's writ into our vocations. It's not like God was playing Russian roulette. Oh, we got another man. That's great. We need, you know, that's wonderful. It's that's part of our vocation is is our masculinity and femininity. And um, the, right now, we live in a culture that those words really are kind of ambiguous. And so, well, they want them to be ambiguous. I guess. I, I guess there's, and we. I guess we later we can little, we can talk a little bit about maybe other agendas and and what seems to be happening. But I want to go back to this ontological part mm-hmm. where this is written into who we are, into our soul, even before we're we're formed mm-hmm. uh, in in a physiological way. Now, I, I think immediately most of the bloggers out there would disagree with you mm-hmm. and say, who are you to say that? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, because the, they'd rather that not be the case because we really get, uh, we want, there needs to be a separation, I think for some people between what we were quote unquote meant to be and what we end up as, which actually gives you more flexibility later in life to decide to change or to be different than what maybe was quote unquote meant to be, which they want to say, I wasn't meant to be that way. Cause if you can get rid of the meant to be, then you're free to change. It becomes a social construct. Right. So you can decide. And that therein lies the difference between uh, sex, uh, the act of sex, and uh, genitalia and gender. So right. all of these things are, um, if, if, even if one asks, say, Catholics, what is the difference between those four things? I don't know, Father. I'm just Catholic. Right, right, right. We're waiting <laughs> so, for you to tell us. In fact, that's what, probably what we should do, Father Ben, is take a little time. And just define some terms. Yeah, the word sex from the Latin sexus is, was traditionally a demarcation of whether one was male or female. It wasn't really until the 19th century that it actually denoted the act of intercourse. And, um, and the, 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 the word that we understand is gender from gendre um, is, is uh, that, it, that really kind of took shape in the 1960s and the 1970s. So it wasn't really until the 1960s and 70s with the sexual revolution that gender became um, as popular as it is now. And the whole understanding of gender theory took off with feminism and the university system. So long story short, we understand sex in terms of the the demarcation of masculine and feminine that we are born with, that objective reality. Whereas gender now is much more subjective, um, not the, from the culture standpoint. The culture tends to understand it. I may be born as a man, but I identify as fill-in-the-blank. Right. So there's, for instance, 52 options for gender on Facebook now. Right. So fill-in-the-blank. Fill now the question is, well, how many genders are there, Father? And a lot of people that work in this field would say, as many as there are people in the world, because everyone can choose their own gender. So Catholics, of course, don't understand that in in those terms. We understand gender as being tied to one's masculinity or femininity. And so um, the two deepest parts of who we are is our spirituality and our sexuality. That's why we say, for instance, if you imagine you go to Mass and you shake somebody's hand at Mass, and, and and that's a very pleasant act. There's human contact. But if you have sex with someone... Okay, that impacts you on a deep, deep level. Right. Especially if you're some, say, for instance, someone that's sexually abused. You know, the, the ramifications right. are huge, right? So, in other words, it touches the deepest core of who we are, 
and um, and and so it touches that deep ontological, spiritual, metaphysical level of who we are. So, gender theory is very liquid. Even people that that teach this, they often have very different understandings of what it is. So, does the Catholic Church have a teaching on gender theory? What is the if you were to use, would you ever use that in a Catholic context to talk about gender theory or gender identity or gender itself? Well, what I would do is I would say that first of all, that this involves love. That we love all these people. Mm-hmm. We love everyone. And um, unfortunately, we've been a culture that, that a lot of people don't understand truth in terms of love. In other words, that we would say you can't just choose your, your gender. Right. So this morning I'm Juan, tonight Juanita. I right. mean, this, this does not – we don't have that authority to do that, right? And, um, and, but at the same time, a lot of people do have a lot of confusion. In the Catholic Church, for instance, with the issue of homosexuality – We've never said that there's that we claim to know the origins of this, right? Because in fact, the Catechism says it's Genesis is largely unknown. That's exactly right, right? And so we don't we don't necessarily Mm -hmm. know, but that's not really even the issue, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's well, we know we have this situation, so let's deal with the situation. Uh, So let me ask you a question: What is um, what becomes the problem then when you separate the uh, we'll say the biological sex? using the sexist term, you know, male or female, what what is the problem when you separate gender from that? Like mm-hmm. for where people want there to be like, well, this may have been what I was assigned at birth, but this is what I feel. Right. And what becomes the problem when we separate those two? Long story short is that the we would say the anatomical design of a of a human body, in other words, how God designed mm. the body. Um, the female body and the male body, it actually speaks a theology, thus a theology of the body. So um, if, for instance, let's say one has a, a masculine, um, we have a masculine, a masculine soul and a masculine, masculine characteristics within our soul and a, and a male body. If we're trying to live that out in terms of a woman, we're never going to be happy. I mean, it's very difficult to find happiness because that's not how God designed us doesn't mean a lot of people would see that as being insensitive right but there's going to be a create a, a problem because uh, it's some one person described it to me who does struggle with gender gender identity he said father i live i feel like i live between two erasers mm-hmm. in other words that my body is telling me one thing but my conscience and common sense is telling me something different and so lo- when we separate those two we we're going to have create confusion within our heart, and it's hard to it's hard to be happy that way. You know, in fact, I think the Catechism also says that the number of people affected by like same sex attraction and these kind of issues, it's not negligible. It's it's a lot of people, and so to some degree, some people might argue if I was playing the devil's advocate to say, well, if God's creating all of these this confusion, right? And and I guess that's a leap to say that God's actually creating the confusion. But they're saying, well, this is the way I was born. This is the way I feel. How can that be wrong? Can, should I not pursue that? See, mm-hmm. this is where it starts to get be kind of problematic, right? In living life, and how do we live life? Because you're saying that it's always going to be a struggle, right? There's always going to be a disharmony between those two things, and so how do we look at that sympathetically and and you know morally at the same time, but with compassion and mercy? Right. Yeah. Often the the for instance those that struggle with, with same sex attraction sometimes the 
the logic would go like this. God made me this way. Mm-hmm. If God made me this way, God wants me to act out this way. Therefore, if you tell me I can't act out this way, you're going against God, not me. Right. So we... I could uh, use that logic in a lot of things in my life, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and not and all kidding true. aside, I mean, if I wanted to mm-hmm. commit adultery, you know, I have this desire of seeing somebody I might lust. Does that mean that God wants me then to commit adultery with uh, against my wife? Uh, because I, there, there's got to be, to some degree, some mastery or self-mastery or, or physical restraint or holding myself back or consciously thinking, uh, praying, whatever, to overcome those temptations. That's right. And, and all of us struggle. Mm-hmm. All of us struggle. Priests, nuns, popes, single, married, everyone, all of us struggle. And that's why the Catechism says, for instance, chastity is an apprenticeship and self-mastery. It's a struggle. And kind of getting back to the transgender issue, it's... There's there's any number of issues that can lead to this. Um, one struggling with gender dysphoria, or what they they sometimes term autogynephilia, whereas a man can sometimes be attracted to his inner woman. You know these kind right. of things. We say, well, where does this come from? And the Catholic Church makes no definitive claim on wh- mm-hmm. what is the genesis of that. What we try to do is meet them where they're at. And I always suggest to people just listen, just listen to them, talk to them. Have dinner with them and listen. And listening is a tremendous act of love. I mean, it's like St. Joseph. We never hear one word of him in all of Scripture because he was a master listener. Mm -hmm. And granted, he was living with the Word made flesh and the Immaculate Conception, you know, the Blessed Mother. Yeah. So, I mean, that's He was always blamed anytime anything was broken in the house. It had to be him, right? And so there's we. It's good for us to listen. And some people might tell you that the uh, the Bible was edited by a woman and she took all of his good lines out, but I don't think that's true at all. So, uh, so we have much more to talk about with Father Ben Bradshaw about all of these uh, gender issues. Uh, and so before we uh, uh, continue on with the conversation, we're going to take a break. And before we do that, I want to remind folks at home we got a great brand new website, thecatholiccafe.com. It's lovely. Uh, re, uh, redesign of our website. We want you to go over there and visit it. Uh, also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me uh, send me an email. Send it to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. These words of Scripture brought one of the greatest sinners of his day to total conversion. This man was St. Augustine of Hippo. He has shaped our understanding of the Catholic faith for over a thousand years. St. Augustine was born in the year 354 in the Roman province of Numidia, Africa, to St. Monica and his pagan father, Patricius. He was raised in the Christian faith, but fell away as he studied at the university near his home. Though he abandoned the faith, he was a serious student of philosophy. Much like a modern student, he committed himself to many philosophical teachings and spiritual fads, but found none of them to provide any lasting fulfillment. St. Augustine sought comfort in the so-called good things of this world. He lived with his mistress for over 15 years. He enjoyed the bloody Roman games of the time and lived an all-around reckless life. 
By his own admission, he knew there was much more to life than earthly fulfillment. St. Augustine is famous for saying, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. During this time, his spiritual quest carried him through a career in teaching, which eventually brought him to Milan, Italy. Here he met St. Ambrose, who was a great saint and a philosophical giant. St. Augustine respected St. Ambrose, and he began to truly understand the faith. Still, even after all the intellectual understanding he gained, his conversion was a conversion of the heart. After being baptized, St. Augustine began to live as a monk and dedicated himself to the study of the scriptures. He lived with other like-minded men and eventually returned to Africa, where he became a priest and later the Bishop of Hippo. For the 35 years he served as bishop, he counseled many brother bishops, attended councils of the church, and wrote prolifically. His most famous works are Confessions and the City of God. St. Augustine is an example of someone who reformed his life and truly promoted the mission of the gospel with every fiber of his being. His writings are relevant to our own times and have guided many to a deeper faith in Christ Jesus. This great African saint's feast day is August 28th. He is a father and doctor of the church. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff with Tom Dorian here, and we are talking to Father Ben Bradshaw, the head chef at the Catholic Cafe. Not a very well-paid position. (laughs) Sorry about that. Great Uh, having him, though. But he's worth every penny, so that's one thing. Uh, I will say uh, we are talking about a pretty serious subject. subject. Just want to remind folks at home, this is kind of an adult nature topic. We're talking about human sexuality. We're talking about gender theory, gender dysphoria. We're talking about uh, sex. We're talking about the things that are really affecting this world in such a profound way. And I guess maybe, you know, I want to start off, Father, what is your opinion about this? Why do you think this has come to the fore? Like it is just, it's like the topic of every discussion. It's like on the news constantly, um, as if maybe like 60% of the people are experiencing gender confusion or whatever. If you ask like young people, millennials right now, they'll tell you they think that 20 to 30% of people, of human beings, are experiencing some kind of, of gender identity issues. And yet, anthropologically, I think statistically, it's probably like in the low 1, 2, 3, 4% range where it's actually happening. Why do you suppose it's in the four like this? To, to the culture at this point, this is a civil rights issue. Mm. And, and Americans, um, not all of which is bad, Americans are allergic to saying that anyone is there's any right way of doing things. In other words, what they want to do, the the American culture, generally speaking, is in order to create equality at all costs, then we have to erase any differences between the sexes. So, in other words, we would say for equality, we must have sexual egalitarianism. So, we have to erase any any boundaries between masculinity, femininity, any other any other gender whereas the, from the catholic standpoint we would say hey we're different but we're also equal right and so john paul ii saint edith stein we would say we're different but we're also equal and so and there's there's beauty in that difference but the the main thing is from the cultural standpoint 
we we must have equality by by having sameness. And so, in order to have sameness, we're going to erase any difference between the genders. But see, some things seem mm. like just painfully obvious to me and i'm kind of a dumb guy and i'm just an ordinary guy tom you know you're about the I'm same right as there me. you're right you, there we're together <laughs> on <really>. this <laughs> you know and the, uh, we'd spend a lot of time with cliff notes going through college so just know that <laughs> but the reality is i look at that and, and when i hear the sameness thing and i understand why we don't want to discriminate why we don't want to treat people poorly because or in a terrible way because they are different than us i mean obviously there are problems with that but i don't want everybody to be the same i mean Let's, you, you know, you, you live in the food world. You said you just cooked a seven-course meal and used three pounds of butter during the break. It's like, I want to eat that meal. But, but the whole idea, I mean, whatever happened to the old phrases we used to use, like variety is the spice of life, right? And, and so when you make everything the same, it's like from now on we're only going to be, eat, be able to eat like uh, Underwood deviled ham or Spam. It's Spam <laughs> or nothing. That's all we're all going to eat. And we're going to start eating some kind of paste, right? I, no one wants that. And yet we want that in our, our humanity when it comes to our sexuality for whatever reason, that everything is okay, right? Yeah, we don't – I always tell people you don't need a theology degree to know this. This is basic common sense. So any – I always joke about it, but there is some truth to it. Any couple that's been married more than 30 minutes knows that they're different. I mean, in other words, there's – we're equal but different. One of the pushes, for instance, for the push for women's ordination – I mean, this is one of the main reasons – is we must be equal to male priests. Therefore, I must be ordained a male priest. Then we're equal to male priests. Right. Um, I'm equal to a mother, even though that's not my vocation, thanks be to God. I right. wouldn't make a good mother. No. So we are equal but different, right? And, again, that's basic common sense. But we love, we also love people that struggle with transgender uh, confusion. And, and, well, you know, even more than that and deeper than that, this is the reality that this really does exist in, in, in all forms and facets, and it's really close to us. I mean, the people listening, I... I just I guarantee that it's it's in your family and maybe it hasn't been fully expressed or understood maybe you've had suspicions or maybe you're experiencing different feelings or, or whatnot and, and wonder like where where is the truth and what should I be feeling and how do I quote unquote fix this but more importantly to realize that that actual families are being touched in this situation more often than not and so whether it's a child or a niece or a nephew a cousin aunt uncle we all have experiences with um, any one of the letters on that spectrum, right, in our families. And so these are people that we love and we care about. And I know some of the hardest conversations I've had with people are when they feel like they've been offended by some priest or deacon's homily because they said something that offended them because their aunt or their uncle uh, is living a, a certain lifestyle. And, and how dare they say they're going to hell, which that's not what you ever hear in homily. Sure. It, but if it's what you perceive sometimes. And can't we all just agree that everybody can be anything they want? And that becomes problematic. So we're really we're we're dealing dealing with real people with real feelings, and so there has to be a level of compassion and mercy in all this. That's that's right. I've, I've I work. I'm the chaplain of the Catholic Medical Association here in Memphis, and so I work a lot with with doctors and some of the doctors that I know that have worked with families in this this situation. They will often say. Just sit tight, basically, because, in other words, anybody that's raised children knows they often go through stages. Same with couples. You go through stages, right? So right. just because one stage says, this is what I am, it doesn't mean that five years from now they're going to feel the same way. And um, and that's not to make light of it or sound condescending. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just 
all of us, you know, we all change. We live in an instant culture, though, don't we? Mm-hmm. We want our news instantly. We want the election results. We want, we want everything right now. We want to go to the doctor. We get that one thing, take care of everything. We're done. That's when we move on. Uh, and I know that can be problematic, but I guess maybe a bigger problem I see is like as, as parents that start to sort of identify certain traits and they don't wait. And you're talking about a four, five, six, seven-year-old boy or girl that starts to get classified into certain different things that maybe that a child, someone who's well-versed in, in, in child-rearing and the psychology and physiology of children might know that, that there are phases in life, uh, in development, right? That's right. Two things I think are important to remember. Number one, parents, um, th- nothing can replace the presence of parents. And um, I realize that, 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 that the, such is the culture that roughly 40, 42% children are raised in a single-parent household. Right. It's a difficult, it's a challenge right mm-hmm. there. But mm-hmm. we all want that. Mm-hmm. I think most people who experience, uh, live in single-parent homes, you know, it's not, it wasn't their wish that it would be single-parent. That's but some right. people have had to deal with that. So that's an extra challenge. That's right. Or maybe they can, they can have another type of male figure, for right. instance, in the family. Or, but also to, to recognize at a certain point, parents can have a clear conscience and knowing, for instance, I'm not perpetually responsible. A lot of times parents will internalize mm. every single thing that the child does. I'm responsible. Did I what do did something? I do? How did what? that happen? You know, or were they abused? Or, mm-hmm. or you know, and you start thinking back on stuff. I mean, you can torture yourself That's to right. as a parent. That's right. Same as a priest. Sometimes as a priest, we, I struggle with that. You know, should I have said this? Do I preach on, you know? And so that's normal, but at the same time, God God will guide it. He will definitely guide it. So there's got to be a level of trust. That's right. But not just to, to take what the church teaches and then march forward with that, but really to know that God loves you, God loves the person that's affected uh, here, and God loves us all. And you know what I try to teach people and help them understand is God loves you exactly the way you are right now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't love the future you or the potential you. He loves you now. Mm-hmm. Now he calls us to be transformed by him, to be changed more like him, to be more Christ-like, right? But he loves us now. And understanding that love and then living in that love, while it can be a challenge, the first thing you do, like if your kid's experiencing this, if your your niece, nephew, your family, whatever, is to love them, right? To listen. You, you said listen, to, to have conversations and do that in in humility, but also in peace and in mercy and love, mm-hmm. and things will things will get better. Mm-hmm. That's right? right. That's right. And if your child is grown, we're, we need to avoid finger wagging. Yeah, because that makes it worse. Yeah, absolutely. Father Ben, thank you so much for sharing uh, this important topic with us and talking through some of this. Uh, we, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna ask the Blessed Mother. To, to, to be with us. And so we'll just pray a simple Hail Mary for all those folks involved in this, this situation. Hail Mary, full of, of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.